Hey everybody, welcome back to another Monday. You know what that means? It's time for another episode of RFRX, your prescription for coping. I'll be your host this evening. I'm Kara, and I have with me returning presenter Rob, who we'll introduce in a few minutes. But Rob, say hi so people know that's you. That is, in fact, my sort of doppelganger. <laughs> it looks like maybe 30 years younger. Rob got a new computer. <laughs> so he'll be back on with us in a little bit to present this evening, which I'm super excited about. And in the meantime, I will go ahead and tell y'all about what we're doing here this evening. It's just me hosting this evening. Our other co-hosts had some other things going on. It is a holiday weekend, so that's okay and thank you all for joining us even though it is a holiday happy memorial day everybody if you are in a place where that is celebrated <laughs> and if you're not and you're wondering what i'm talking about don't worry about it in case you don't know him already which you probably do especially if you were here last time which we'll look at the poll results about that in a minute but let me introduce rob who has a pretty impressive background rob palmer is a retired aerospace engineer he's been a spacecraft designer spacecraft tester computer programmer and software excuse me systems engineer rob became a skeptical activist in 2016 upon joining the guerrilla skeptics on wikipedia team and in 2018 became a columnist for skeptical inquirer to date he has had over 70 articles published by skeptical inquirer as well as in other publications and the wikipedia articles he's written have garnered over 13 million page views you have probably read one that has been written by rob Rob writes about contemporary skeptical issues and has interviewed individuals as diverse as Neil deGrasse Tyson, Richard Dawkins, Penn Jillette, and Ryan. I always say that name wrong. Um, producer and writer for the Modern Cosmo series, Dave Warnock, Dying Out Loud, Seth Andrews, host of the Thinking Atheist podcast, John DeLancey, Star Trek's Q, and even God, well, Mr. Deity himself. Rob is registered with the Center for Inquiries Speakers Bureau and has given presentations for various skeptic and humanist groups and conventions, including Week in Reason, DragonCon, three times at SciCon or CSICon. I've heard people say it both ways, sorry. It's the annual Science and Skepticism Conference in Las Vegas, and his topics have included things like critical thinking, the Wikipedia editing project that he volunteers for, the harm in believing in psychics and mediums, and the Great Australian Psychic Prediction Project. He has been interviewed about these subjects on various podcasts and YouTube shows, including The Skeptic Zone, Big Picture Science, Be Rationable, Rash, Rationable? Yes. Okay. The Phil Ferguson show, Banachek's Brain, 502 Conversations, Point of Inquiry, The Thinking Atheist, and of course, here at RFRX. And all of Rob's skeptical work can be found at the link that I am going to drop in the chat. Okay, Rob, that's a pretty impressive background. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Well, thank you for getting through all that. I think you had to talk there for a solid 20 minutes on my timer. My, is it, that, this is why we normally have a co-host. You're right. Yes. I, you know, I am, I am understanding now. I mean, I always love having a co-host, but yeah, I, I ran out of voice there a few times while speaking. So <laughs> that was a lot. Sorry, y'all. I hope I didn't put anybody to sleep with, with that long monologue there, but we're done with it now. Now it's up to Rob. Rob, I'd, save I'd like, us. I'd like to look at the the uh, the, the poll. If, if people Ooh. still have that, I guess they still do. Share results. I have a share yeah. results button. Here we go. Well, let's share them. Okay. Oops. I think we both hit it. Okay. Yeah. So that that is quite fascinating. So most people, 
only one person of uh, about 15 right now said that they uh, learned about these in school. And uh, I agree with that. Uh, I have never met anybody who did. I did not. It, it, it should be, in my opinion, part of any kind of curriculum, including critical thinking, but they didn't have any critical thinking courses. So, well, I went to Catholic school. You know, they don't want you to think too critically. Um, but I don't even think in public school that happens. At least, uh, at least not, not that I've heard of. Not, um, so, not at mine. I didn't go to public school either. I went to a Christian school. Well, and, oh, yeah. yeah, that that was not a thing. Critical thinking was not a class mm -hmm. that we had. Um, so some people have looked into this stuff since that, which is good, but just a bit. Um, and the interesting thing is about noticing it. Uh, yeah, so, so a lot of people, even though they didn't get trained in them, do notice it at least sometimes, sometimes constantly. And uh, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I am so annoyed when I hear people making arguments that are logically fallacious and other people go, oh, that's a good, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I believe you happens all the time uh not to be political here but there was a podcast called fallaciously trump that was running when he was president and every single weekly episode they just played a recording of his and just talked about the logical fallacies just you know spewed by him every every freaking half minute when he talks it's yep. and it, it, it was amazing yeah and this is something yeah like you said um could come up in in politics at any time it doesn't have to be any particular politician um maybe some are worse about it than others but it, i i have definitely noticed this i love this question have you noticed logical fallacies being used in public discourse or media because after i learned about logical fallacies i did start noticing all the time oh wow that people are using fallacious arguments to convince us about very important things absolutely it's uh it's pretty terrifying if you think about it so uh, yeah, it's it's something to be aware of for sure. Okay, so the other thing from the poll is about half of the people had, if I read that right, uh, I closed it, had had attended yeah. the first game and half did. And so I actually made a streamlined version of the introduction material before we get to the game for this week's episode. So uh, ready to start the talk? Yes, let's okay. do it. Okay, sharing my screen. Okay, you still hear me? Okay, good. All right, so uh, just as a summary of why we're doing this um, and what logical fallacies are. So a logical fallacy is a statement that has a flaw in either or both the form of this argument that you're making or in the content of what you're trying to prove, right? Uh, and there could be two different kinds, generally broken up this way. They're either formal or they're informal. Um, formal ones are fallacious in their logical form, but informal ones could be fallacious in their form and the content. So we're, most of the ones we're going to talk about, maybe all of them, are actually informal logical fallacies. Um, and the reason that this is important to know I've actually heard people say, oh, you don't need to learn a logical fallacy, even skeptics. No, you don't want to throw out to somebody, that's a logical fallacy. And that part is true. But but they take it one step further and say, so therefore you don't really have to worry about them or know about them. But I don't think that's true. And the reason is because recognizing these problematic arguments can help you avoid believing claims that are made which rely on those arguments to be valid, right? But perhaps more importantly even recognizing these fallacies will help you avoid using them 
either internally to justify your own beliefs to yourself or or to other people right that's an important part not so much oh that's a logical fallacy and i know the name of it but it's just not to be convinced by fallacious arguments okay so shall we play a game so here we go we're going to give the rules now this is how it's going to go We'll create a number of teams and assign participants. That's actually, Cara is going to do that, along with a moderator for each team. After each clue is given, the players will be sent to private breakout rooms, you know, just for the team members for discussion and determine what your answers are going to be. I uh, should go without saying, but I'm going to say it. No Googling, no binging, no use of internet or any other material. If you have a book on logical fallacies, don't open it, please. That just takes the fun out of it. Uh, the teams, after they've reached a decision on the three answers, the three for each one, and I'll tell you what that is in a minute, the teams return to the main room and the correct answers will be revealed. The team leaders will give the team answers and uh, what they scored for the round will be determined and Kara uh, will determine how many rounds we play, depending on how she wants to time the game. And I'm going to track the total score and then uh, add it up for you and reveal the winning team. So this is how it goes. You're going to get an example of a logical fallacy, which will, it's a statement concerning religion, and you can get five points for each one. You get two points if you can accurately describe the flaw in the reasoning. What's the lie? What's the trick there? What's being left out of this statement? You get another two points if you can use the same fallacious reasoning in a different context, non-religious, right? All my examples are religious, but logical fallacies are used all over the place. As we mentioned in politics, they could be used in alternative medicine, they could be used all over. So any other way you want, as long as it's not religious, you get two more points for that. And then one point, because it's the least important thing is if you know the name of the logical fallacy, you don't have to get it exact either. There's a lot, a lot of these have different variations in their name. So five points total for each of the rounds. That's how that goes. And then we'll rinse and repeat for however long we have. And here's an example. So this is what you would see right before you go to the breakout room as a team. Okay, God does not exist. Stephen Hawking said so. Okay, go to your rooms. Give me first, whatever the, the, the error in that reasoning is in a different context. And here would be one example. Well, with Paltrow says vaccines cause autism, so I'm not immunizing my kids. All right. And so if you were able to do that, you probably get this point, this two points also, which is to describe what's wrong. And this is an argument which attempts to persuade by appealing to an authority or prestige of a person or organization making a claim rather than providing evidence or logical reasoning to support the claim. Right. Just as Stephen Hawking's really isn't an expert on God, and just because he says there's no God doesn't mean there isn't a God. Or reversing that, if the Pope says there is a God, also doesn't mean there's a God, right? That you can go either way with a, with a statement of, of what you're saying is fact. And um, yeah, so it could have been so many different examples, but really only one description of what was wrong there. And, and this is you know, appealing to the authority. And then that is just called argument from authority. You get one extra point if you happen to know that. Okay, so that's how the game goes. Now, I would say write these down quickly or take a shot with your phone or something. These are not going to be in any of my answers because these are the ones from last time. 
special pleading, circular reasoning, appeal to authority, which is the one I just showed you, argument from popularity, argument from ignorance, argument from personal incredulity, and argument by gibberish. That last one, uh, I don't think anybody got, which was a tough one that I threw in there. Um, yeah, so one of the teams last time got a perfect score, except I got zero on that one. Um, yeah, so. I think that was my team. I don't know. I don't remember, but I, I feel like we did a great job. Yeah, oh, yeah. So actually, the the score last time, Gail and you both led two teams that had 25 perfect scores, except for the gibberish one. Uh, Helen was only one point less than that, 24, and Bob was behind with just 20. So of course, not just those people, but those were the team leads of the teams. Redemption night, y'all. Redemption night. I don't know if Bob's here. Um, so I, I saw him. I think he might be here. And as I said last time, none of the answers tonight are going to be non sequitur, which means it does not follow as really all the logical fallacies are just nuanced versions of that. Yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. In other words, that doesn't follow. Right. OK, so here we go. All right. So now, uh, Car, you have to figure out teams before we. Yes, I think that given the number of people, three teams is probably appropriate. If y'all agree with that, then I will break us up into breakout rooms and we will have Gail, Jason, and myself as team leads. Unless, of course, Bob is here and wants to uh, have redemption for his team. I think he is here. We can make that determination when you get to your breakout rooms, but that's what we'll do. Okay, I'm going to start breaking people up into breakout rooms now. Um, we won't go to the breakout rooms until we get the first clue, though. Is that right, Rob? Yes. Okay. All right. Great. Then I will work on that in the background. And then after Rob gives the clue, I will send everyone to your breakout room and there will be a volunteer moderator in there to kind of help everybody get organized and, and keep track of what the answers are that y'all come up with. And we'll, uh, we'll see who knows their logical fallacies. Okay. So obviously nobody put in the chat anything until you get to the breakout room, then you can do that. Because when you're in the breakout room and you chat, you're only chatting to the people in the breakout room and no one else can see it. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, you don't have to participate. If you're just here to watch, like, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. So, first one is the theory of evolution is wrong because all life on Earth could not have been made by random chance. All right. Everybody take a look at that. Take a screenshot of that or a picture, write it down. Team leads, uh, maybe it's a good idea to get a shot of that too. I'm gonna do that now and I'll start sending people into groups. Okay, that was me typing a lot. Okay, now let me start sending y'all to rooms. And how much time are they going to have in the room? Oh, they'll have five minutes in the room to answer all of those questions. And we'll see after the first round if that's about right. Um, if it's not, then uh, we can adjust. But I think that worked out well oh, last time. Okay. 
and I am assigning people to rooms as we speak. Give me just a minute. I want to make sure that I get everybody assigned. Let's see who's missing. All right. While you're doing that, I came back from a vacation uh, last month and the cruise director ran a trivia game one of the evenings and we were in the Netherlands. So it was all about the Netherlands. And I actually used that on a weekly Zoom trivia game I play. I used her questions, which was really cool. And she liked that idea so much that the next week she sent me ones about France, which I didn't go to, but I decided to use those anyway. But the interesting thing was she had 30 questions. I, we're allowed to pick 10 in the game I play. So I picked 10 of them. And one of them was uh, true or false. In France, it is illegal to name your pig Napoleon. What? And she and she had that the correct answer was true. And I said that I my skeptical bells went off and I Google that and no, it what I found was it is a common myth and people believe that, but it is not true and never has been true. So it's like, whoa. So all the people on her cruise, the hundreds of people who sat in her thing, they they got the wrong information. Wow. I, that would be difficult to enforce. Okay. Uh, the rooms are ready. I am gonna open the rooms now and just so you know room one will be moderated by gail room two by jason and room three by me so i'm going to open them now and you should be able to go into those okay looks like everyone's moving and then okay i am gonna now try to figure out how to drop myself into one of them Let's see here. I need to go to room three. How do I do this? Oh, you just open the breakout rooms and say join room. Ah, okay. Here we go. I don't see them. I'm just going to click join. I think that'll send me. Okay, we'll be back in a minute. Okay, it looks like we are all back from the breakout rooms. We kind of ran out of time in ours. How did it go? Did people need more time? That seemed like I poked into two rooms and it seemed like that was rushed. Yeah, it was a little rushed in ours. Um, Gail and Jason, how about y'all? Did y'all have about the right oh, amount of time? Not yeah, enough? It was about right. It was about right, I think. We okay. had somebody drop out and somebody come in. So we had a little bit back and forth, but it was about right. Okay. Jason, how about you? Oh, you're on mute. Oh, uh, maybe maybe we're just slow, but it felt pretty easy. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we could uh, we could add a minute for the next one. Do you think that would help? Give it a shot. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Well, good job, teams. Good job, everybody. I guess it's time to see how we did. Rob, do you want to, or how do we do it? Should we tell our answers first or? Yeah. So I would say, well, all right. Mm, let's see. It could go either way. Let me do the sharing of the answer and then you guys can say what you're version was you can see my screen again yes uh -huh. okay so at least one of the teams was talking about this essentially saying it was a non sequitur without using those words so they needed to be more specific i don't know what they finally came up with because i left the room but basically oh this doesn't make sense because one thing has nothing to do with another but that's a non sequitur so that's not being specific at all in, the, in that case so <laughs> so somebody just threw papers on the floor so all right. 
this occurs when someone gives the impression of successfully refuting an argument while actually misrepresenting their opponent's position. One who does this is said to be attacking a straw man. That's the description. And it is a straw man fallacy because evolution does not say that things happen by random chance. So that's the gist of that one. And you can make example. It's hard to do this because you have to first someone has to say something like, you know, oh, the theory of evolution and explain it. And then, well, it's ridiculous because things don't happen by random chance. I didn't say they happen by random chance. So you'd, you're you're representing a, a, uh, your opponent's position dishonestly, right? Like in politics, I recall uh, maybe 20 years ago, there was something about, well, goods should travel freely um, between Mexico and the United States and Canada. And then the back was, oh, you want open borders. That's, that's going to destroy this country. But that's not what they said. So that would be one version. So I'm wondering if anybody came up with the right answers here or a different version of the example. So who wants to go first? Our group managed to lock in on straw man. Oh, um, right. And we came up with an example that we think is also a pretty good one. Uh, want me to share it? Yes, absolutely. What is it? So an example we came up with is the Big Bang Theory is wrong because everything could not have come from nothing. Uh, all right, very good. So a misrepresenting of the actual theory. Right, and is that what you put, misrepresenting of the theory? Yep. Of, the, of the statement? Yep, Strawman. And did you come up with Strawman? Mm -hmm. Oh, perfect score. Way to go, team. Do you guys have a team name? I forgot to tell you guys to make a team name. Uh... So question. I don't know. So do that next time. Yeah, I forgot right, to we'll do. do. That. So so uh, what team number were you? Do you remember? I'm right. I'm keeping score here. What team? What, what room were you in? Do you remember? It doesn't really matter. But I just put. I just put Jason. You were in. I think you were in room two. Okay, we'll put you down for room two. And Gail, don't think we you guys saw. got it. We suck. We said we, yeah, we were saying that, that the two things had no bearing on each other. And we thought that was an actual more than the non sequitur. But uh, so we were wrong about that. We did come up with a comparison and maybe, maybe that would count for something uh, that, is that CRT shouldn't be taught in schools because we shouldn't teach white kids to feel bad. Non-religious. <laughs> yeah, well, I like that. Yeah, that's okay. good. We called that's it equivocation. Good. So obviously that was wrong, but we, and we, and, and we didn't have the flaw in the reasoning. We just said that those two things didn't have any bearing on each other. I'm surprised you got that close. Okay. We'll give you two points for that then. Not Sweet. a total loss. What Do you know what, uh, what room that was? Well, yeah, we're room one. Okay. I'm writing you on the score sheet for room one. And who was leading team three? That's okay, Carol, that was my team, okay. and we did get the flaw in the reasoning. We we said it was basically our arguing against something that wasn't the real claim, uh, so well, kind of misstating right. the mechanism. And we were in the middle of making an example that had to do with basically someone saying the same thing about epigenetics and not understanding how that works and, you know, therefore it's nonsense. Um, we, we were kind of still still working through that, but that was the gist of it, where you're, you're describing something in, in a way that isn't true to the argument that is actually being made and then saying how ridiculous it is. Um, we did not arrive at the name straw man, though. Okay, that's pretty good. Sounds like you got four points. And for people who don't know why it's called straw man, uh, you know, in the old days when you um, practice to attack your enemy with a bayonet, 
like before guns, they would put literal scarecrows, straw men up so that you could charge them and hit them with the bayonet to make sure you did it right. So you're attacking a straw man yeah, who couldn't fight back. So, and, and not really anything like the real thing. So that's why it's called that. Okay, so not too bad. We got one team who got perfect at four and a two. All right, next up. All right, so here's the last one. We go to the next one. Okay, Hinduism is the oldest surviving religion. And that might not be true, actually, but let's just assume that's not part of it. You know, I'm going to say it is, maybe it is. Hinduism is the oldest surviving religion, therefore it must be true. I think Zoroastrianism might have to be. Is anybody still a Zoroastrian? Yeah. I had an yeah. uncle, basically. Yeah. Fair enough. I guess it depends on how you define surviving religion, yeah. but it doesn't matter because we know the argument is flawed in some way anyway. So, right. <laughs> okay, I will send us all back to our breakout rooms now, and it should send us back to the same ones. So here we go. Okay, we are back. Welcome back, everybody. How did that go time-wise? All right. I'm hearing no objections, so Better. we'll Better. see. We'll see what the scores were. Okay, so okay. so th this, of course, living in America, uh, I changed the religion there from the way I usually hear it because it's usually why don't you believe in Christianity, Rob? It's the oldest surviving religion, and that's definitely not true. But I I have actually heard that Christianity. A friend told me this in one sentence had two logical fallacies: this one and one we covered last time. The one we covered last time was the argument from popularity, right? If something is popular, it definitely has to be true. So this one has to do with how old it is, right? So she told me, how could you not believe in Christianity? It's been believed by billions of people for thousands of years, right? And she thought that was valid reasoning why <laughs> anyone should convert. Two logical fallacies in one sense. So this one, the problem is because it's been believed to practice for a long time, that makes it true or beneficial, right? And the name of it is appeal to tradition, argument from tradition. It's, you know, argument from antiquity. I've also heard there's, there's various names there, uh, but having to do with that, it's very old. Okay, so how'd you guys do? All right, group one. Lead group on. one killed it. We killed it this time. Yes. So we what, was your, what, was yes. Your, what was your example? Our example is gas stoves perform better than electric stoves because they've been around longer. Yeah, all right, love it. And we counted, We said the truth is not based on age or confirmed by endurance or length of time. And we uh, came up with argument from antiquity. Well, Brianna in our group came Fantastic. up with perfect score, team one. Very good. Jason's team. Well, I thought we were screwed until you basically said that argument from tradition and antiquity are basically synonymous. Yeah. So I think we can actually get full credit then because we said argument from antiquity. Um, just because something is old or has endured has no bearing on its truth. And the example we gave was horoscopes must be accurate because people have done astrology for millennia. <laughs> oh my God, I hear that on TikTok all the time. <laughs> astrology is taking over TikTok. Oh my God. <laughs> and Kara, how'd your team do? 
Okay, we did pretty well on this one. We we picked out the the flaw was that yeah, just because it's been around for a long time doesn't necessarily make it true. Uh, we we had a great uh, comment on that that um, even though it was written a long time ago, it's still fiction. It doesn't become nonfiction after a certain <laughs> period of time. <laughs> and uh, the example though that we had was essential oils have been used for a long time, therefore they must be very effective. And, That's good. I like that. Yeah. And uh, and so we we weren't a hundred percent sure on the name. We ended up with argument from ancient times. I don't know yeah, if that good. counts. But... You got the you got the idea. <laughs> All right, I'll give everyone ace that Yay. round. Very good people. Okay. Okay. Oh, and um, team names. We uh, we came up with a team name. Yes, we... let me record that for posterity. Okay. What's your team name? Yes. Uh, group three is brilliant beyond belief, <laughs> <laughs> which it's aspirational. <laughs> and the only problem is if you don't win, it's going to seem. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you do, then you're prescient or psychic. Did sure. either of the other teams come up with a name? Not yet. All right. Think about it next time. We came up with a, huh? a, a two self-aggrandizing one. We're going to be called the Argonauts. Um, which means I may lead my team towards horrible, you know, misfortune. Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> okay. Harry, Ray Harry Harrison movie. Yeah. Okay. So moving on. Here's the next one. Let's see. Sharing screen. I know the Holy Spirit is real because my friends and I have felt his presence in church. Did I spell that right? Is it presence or presence? That's it. Does the Holy Spirit give presence? I guess he does. <laughs> I think his presence is the present, so mm -hmm. it could be okay. <laughs> okay, let me write that down real and, quick. And, and I'm sure many people here who've come from an evangelical background at one point felt this was true. Yes, I get this argument all the time. This is one of the ones that I hear a lot from my evangelical family. So I'm excited. Raised Catholic, we never were supposed to feel the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't it wasn't a thing. I never did either. I thought it was something wrong with me for years until I figured out, oh, no, but that's it might a, be something that is, wrong with yeah, the argument. That's a problem. <laughs> then you think there's something wrong with you because you're not falling into this pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you know the difference if everyone right. else says they're feeling it and you don't? You're like, am, am right. I like missing something? Right. And of course, then there's the, uh, you know, people want to lie about it and they don't want to admit they don't feel it. And mm -hmm. I think I've heard the phrase applied to it, fake it till you make it. Yep. Right. Yep. You just tell people you feel it. And same goes for, you know, what's extension of that talking in tongues in some denominations. Yes, yeah. we had that too. Yeah. And how do you verify it? It's my special language, but okay, before we reveal the answer, let's go to our breakout rooms. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. Good luck, everyone. Okay, welcome back, everybody. We are back from round three. Let's see how we did. Okay, so uh, I heard 
some of the answers that sounded right. I'm not quite so sure about the other ones, but let's here we go. <laughs> so um, yes, I know the Holy Spirit is real because my friend I felt his presence in church. So the thing that's wrong with this is this occurs when anecdotal evidence is presented as evidence of a claim without any other contributory evidence available to support it. And argument from anecdote is one of the ways this is described. So what did the teams come up with? All right, group one, take it away. Why do we always have to go first? Okay, so we, we can go first if you up, want us to. We can, no, we did not come up with the word anecdotal, which is an important part of the flaw, but we just said personal experience is not evidence. So we should have added the word anecdotal. Our, our uh, parallel statement is, I know Gwyneth Paltrow's goop works because it aligned my chakras. So we have a whole <laughs> bunch of one sentence. And we called it the argument from personal experience. Yeah, I think I'm going to give you four for that. He almost okay. got five. That was oh, would you like to know our team name? Yes. What's your team name? We are Team Chicken because we have Fluffmeister <laughs> on our team. We are Team Chicken. And right there on the screen, if you can look at it, there they are. There they are. <laughs> okay. So we got Team Chicken, the Argonauts, and Brilliant Beyond Belief. All right. How do the Argonauts do? You're muted. Happens every time. Uh, every time. I, we, we figured out anecdote, factored it in some way. We said the argument from personal experience slash personal anecdote um, and diagnosed that the problem is that anecdotes are not a reliable data point. Mm -hmm. um, and the example we came up with is I know ghosts are real because my friends and I have felt their presence when we hang out in my haunted basement. <laughs> all right alert kenny biddle who is one of our speakers to go check out your haunted basement i can give you five for that because you got an anecdote in one of the versions of the name very good and Kara. okay we answered very similarly to the argonauts we did pick up anecdotal and we said you know personal experience is not enough to demonstrate causality or to isolate all the variables just because you had that experience doesn't necessarily lead to the conclusion that we got to and the example we had was i took essential oils and then my cancer went into remission so that's how i know they work so uh, love it we're and still on yeah. the essential oils on this one and then be interesting if you could use essential oils in every single one we're gonna try <laughs> um and we also called it the argument from personal experience even though we identified mm. anecdotal argument as what the problem was uh. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm gonna give you four on that. Sorry. Yeah, but that's fair. You got the, the important points you got. So that's good. Yeah. And and this comes up a lot in alternative medicine, you know, over-the-counter supplements and stuff like that. You know, I, I took it, my headache went away. I know it works. You know, and it, it's it's how um, you know, non-actual proven medications like homeopathy do their business. Right. Some somebody gets a homeopathic remedy, which is literally magic water. Doesn't say that in the bottle because probably not as many people would buy it, but it's magic water because it's got nothing that possibly can work in it. And if it had what was in it, it wouldn't do what it said it's going to do because duck liver does not cure the flu. That's one of the homeopathic treatments. Uh, but there's no real duck liver in it because they diluted it into literal non-existence. You need to take as much water as could possibly be in the entire solar system volume, and you might get one molecule of duck liver is the way they dilute it. It's insane. But People swear by it. Yeah, I took it. It worked. 
it couldn't be that, that you got better because you were expecting to feel better or you rested for a few days. Or are you going to get better anyway? Yeah, yeah. Regression to the mean. Yep. Unfortunately. Okay. So good job, teams. Here is the next one. I have to do a share again. There we go. So the next one is, I can't bear the thought of my existence ending and not seeing my dead relatives in heaven. Well, I guess they wouldn't be dead if they're in heaven. I don't know, whatever. My relatives in heaven. So I believe Jesus is my savior. Everybody got that written down? Or All right. Take a picture I of it? got that written down. We'll give a couple of more seconds to get that. And then we will go to our rooms. Good luck, everybody. Okay, and we're back from round four. Let's see how we did. Okay, this one was more difficult than I thought it was going to be, but that is probably because it is similar to other ones. And I, I saw people pondering that issue. All right, so um, what is what is the logical flaw here? Well, uh, this describes decision-making and the formation of belief based on what is pleasing to imagine rather than on evidence, rationality, or reality. And it is simply the wishful thinking fallacy. From Kara's expression, I don't think your team got this. Well, let's see. We did okay. not. <laughs> All right, let's start with, um, let's start with your team first. Okay, yeah, we'll go first. Okay, so we didn't quite get to that. Um, we also were, Thinking, I think we got the mechanism of it, that it was appealing to an emotional attachment to the outcome or the belief rather than the truth of the statement. Um, and the example that we came up with, well, we tried to come up with one with essential oils, but it, we didn't think it was as good as the first <laughs> one that came to mind, which was, um, which was a little bit different in form, but I think it still is the same mechanism where we said, I don't believe that animals in factory farms are treated badly because I eat them all the time and that would be horrible. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, that's reasonable. Yeah, and we weren't sure what to call that when we were thinking about either an appeal to emotion or an argument from the consequence or the outcome, but we did not get wishful thinking. Okay, so four again, not, not bad. Uh, let's see, going in reverse order, Jason. Uh, we got it again, wishful thinking and motivated reasoning. Um, and the, the mechanism is just because he wants me to be true has no bearing on its actual truth, uh, it actually being true. And the example we came up with was, I can't bear the thought of dying penniless, so I believe I will win the lottery. <laughs> the lottery yeah. I have a win. friend like that, yes. Okay, five points, very good. Uh, yeah, it's and it's interesting because motivated reasoning is a bias. So yes, a lot of times biases play into the way we construct our thinking patterns. So you often get a bias informing a you know your thinking and therefore a logical fallacy if the bias is incorrect. And that's correct. Uh, and Gail's team, uh, we put a bunch of words in ours, but we the flaw in the reasoning was fear, not accepting reality, wanting a more pleasant reality. We don't accept the outcome, so the proposition can't be true. Um, and I think Brianna's pet helped us with this one, <laughs> uh, said that from 
from her what, perspective. What, what, what's the pet? What's the pet? Brian, what was your pet? Oh, oh she, she she's muted. Was, she can't she may not be able to unmute. Uh, so uh, yeah, I heard that. It's a tarantula. I, th I think that's what she said. It's a tarantula. Yeah. The tarantula's position. The tarantula's position is that people are not real because the tarantula wants to believe she lives in a safe environment. Yeah, I love it. And we came up with wishful thinking. Perfect score. Also, first said, awesome. we said argument for consequences, and then we came up with wishful thinking. Awesome. Awesome, awesome sauce. Okay, so the score now is team one has 16, team three, Kara's team has 17, and Jason's is perfect score so far, a 20. Way to go. Okay, so next. Next up. <laughs> this is one of my favorite ones because I hear it all the time. Sharing screen. Science is just like religion. So there's no reason to believe in one or over the other. Okay, everybody get that down and we will move to breakout rooms. Here we go. Okay, we are back. Let's see how we did. Okay, so I heard a team, I think, got this perfectly. I'm not sure about the other ones. So can you see my screen? Yes, we can oh. see you. Actually, wait a minute. I have to stop sharing. I forgot to do something. Share sound, because I actually have sound for this one. Ooh, we got the video daily double. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So science is just like religion, so there's no reason to believe in one over the other. And um, this is the problem with that, of course, is fallacy is committed when equivalence is drawn between two subjects when they're actually significantly different from each other. Someone had a race car and a donkey, which was really great. And the name is simply the false equivalence fallacy. All right. How'd you guys do? All right, let's let Jason go first this time. Uh, yeah, so we said false equivalence, and then we thought we might get brownie points because what occurred to one of our members was the two cocaine fallacy. I don't know. If you too means is, you too. Yeah, because yeah. basically saying science is, does this has the same problems with religion. Um, but yeah, so we said false equivalence. Um, the example we gave is political party A is just like political party B, so there is no reason to believe in one over the other. Okay. To mimic the, the structure of the original one. And just that comparing things that are not comparable. All right. Like, Sounds like another full sweep there. Uh, let's see. Gail? Uh, I think we got it. We said, well, we I said we always come up with a bunch of words. The premise is not true. There's a category error, and these are significantly different. So I hope, and we did come up with false equivalency. And our Ooh. two statements was the one you mentioned. 
there's there's no difference in donkeys and Formula One race cars. So <laughs> I was it's either one, but I also did, we also did vaccines are like ivermectin, so I won't take either. <laughs> oh, there we go. Very good. And Kara. Okay, we got this one too. We did say false equivalency, and the problem was comparing two things that are not really the same. And we, we came back, we got to essential oils again. We said essential oils and antibiotics are both medications, so why spend the money on the antibiotics? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Mm. Everyone perfect score. So this one was interesting enough that I decided to see. I wonder what chat GPT thinks about this subject. So I asked chat GPT, uh, how does this fallacy apply in this situation? And uh, here's what it said. The false equivalence fallacy occurs when two things are considered equivalent, despite significant differences between them. In the case of saying that science and religion are similar, this fallacy can occur because science and religion are fundamentally different in their approaches to understanding the world. Science relies on empirical evidence, experimentation, and rational analysis to draw conclusions about the natural world. It is based on the scientific method, which involves formulating hypotheses, testing them through experiments, and then revising or discarding them based on the results. Science is constantly evolving and changing as new evidence emerges. Religion, on the other hand, is based on faith, revelation, and tradition. It involves beliefs and practices related to the existence and worship of a higher power or powers, as well as moral and ethical principles. Religious beliefs are often based on texts or teachings that are considered authoritative or divine, and are not subject to the same kind of empirical testing as scientific claims. Therefore, while science and religion may share some similarities, such as an interest in the big questions of life and existence, they are fundamentally different in their methods, and the kinds of claims they make. To suggest that they are equivalent or similar is to commit the false equivalence fallacy. Ah, perfect score for ChatGBT. Excellent. Wow, okay. I, I feel like we just got stood up by a, by a computer that did a better <laughs> job than we did in probably five milliseconds. Don't worry, Cora, it got the cheat by checking the internet. Oh, you're right. That's true. Okay, no points. <laughs> but ironically, I have played with ChatGPT, and and I've talked to AI experts on this subject. It hallucinates, which is really freaking weird. So I asked it who I was, just by name. Of course, I didn't know. And I said, do you know who Rob Palmer the Skeptic is? No, that could be many people. Uh, who is Rob Palmer the Skeptic, a writer for Skeptical Hawaii Magazine? Ah, he has written in articles. And it was like, whoa, this is good. It finally... but. Then it did the most amazing thing. It said, here are five articles Rob has written for Skeptical Inquirer. And it listed them. I did not write any of them. I Googled their names. They don't even exist. So I have been told that uh, the current system hallucinates. It sounds like it's authoritative and making sense, but it just makes shit up sometimes, which is freaky. All right. Yes. Next. All if right, the government... Yeah bans teaching creationism in public schools then they will eventually ban reading the bible in church all right okay we'll go to the breakout rooms now and this will probably be the last round so let's make it a good one which do you think this one is people oh we just discussed it nick and i it's slippery slope 
Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, we say it's like the go-to conservative logical fallacy. <laughs> um, Rob, did you see um, my um, 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 example for the previous one? No, I don't have the chat open. Oh, There's too much going on with my score sheet um, and my PowerPoint I presentation. Said, how about apples are fruit and be on a fruit salad? Therefore, as tomatoes are fruit, they belong in a fruit salad too. I actually saw that recently somewhere. It's like, yeah. Actually, I I I don't know what's wrong with that. No, no, um, no. I think yeah, the I like to slice my apples up and put it in my salad too. So it's like it's well, a fruit think, in my salad. Um, I think the quote is something on the lines of um. Um, um, something how was it? Um, knowing that um, is it? Um, I can't remember sadly. Um, so something is knowing that a um tomato is a fruit. Something else is knowing that it doesn't belong in a fruit salad. It's wisdom or something. It's, yeah, so it's the knowledge is knowing that tomatoes are um, fruit. Wisdom, wisdom is, is not putting it in a smoothie or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I think most people got this one. So this is, uh, as I have heard people say, choose all over politically. Uh, this occurs when it is asserted that a change in action, procedure, or law will necessarily that's a key word, lead to a chain of events culminating in some significant and negatively perceived outcome, and it is a slippery slope fallacy. So how'd you guys do? So last chance to catch up. Let's go. Let's start with, uh, let's see. Gail's team is behind Kara's team by one. Gail, how'd you do? We killed it. Uh, we came up with slippery slope argument. We right. said we didn't say the same. We didn't say the word necessarily. We said inevitably. One thing will yeah, inevitably lead to another. Making a prediction about tomato, it. tomato, tomato, tomato. And here is our statement, our parallel statement. If you give a mouse a cookie, do you all know not know that one? No. Children's book. If you give a mouse a cookie, then he's going to want a glass of milk. If you give a mouse a glass of milk and it just goes on and on and on, it's adorable. <laughs> I remember that book. How does it end yes. up? What's the, what's the last statement? And if you give a moose a muffin, the whole book goes through all of these things and it's it's the whole slippery slope thing. It's all these things are going to cascading happen all the way down the line. There's the first book was if you give a mouse a cookie and the second one is if you give a moose a muffin. <laughs> nice. Okay, so that puts your team score at let's see what do we got here 26 so let's see right now you're in the lead by one point over jason's team but Kara's team is 22 needs four to tie how'd you do Kara? okay we did get slippery slope and we basically said yeah it's an argument that one thing is going to happen and then a bunch of unconnected things are then gonna go on down the road resulting in some terrible outcome and then the example we came up with it might be a little weak. We tried to make it connect to essential oils again. And we said, if they tell us that we can't even use our essential oils, next thing you know, we're not going to be able to use aspirin or chemotherapy for anything. Oh, no, I like it. <laughs> That's definitely uh, people from AltMed say that kind of thing. I love oh, it. boy. <laughs> Give you a five. You are now in the lead. So, Gail, sorry, 26. Kara's team, 27. And Jason, you only need two points to tie, one to go. Did you get it? We did 
identified as slippery slope. That's one point. Um, the the description we said was increasing the scope of the argument without justification, fear mongering about consequences without proving it. And then our example, uh, if the government bans using your outside voice in a library, then they will eventually ban all speech everywhere. Even my thoughts will be private. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Everyone got five that round, so the score did not change. So uh, Jason's team has one with an absolutely perfect 30. Tara's team, the uh, brilliant beyond belief, almost brilliant, 27. <laughs> and Team Chicken uh, pulls in the lead, not too far behind with 26. Very good people. All right, we'll take it. We'll take Everyone it. Medals. That was fun. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Trophies for everyone. <laughs> I, I fully believe in positive reinforcement. I think it's fine. We did great. Okay, well, before we wrap up, Rob, thank you for hosting us again. I think this was a lot of fun. I hope it was fun for everybody else. Um, do you have any final thoughts or links or resources to leave us with? I can show you, let's see, one last thing on my slideshow, which is, okay, so I think this is an important, no, I keep doing play the slideshow without sharing the screen and it does not help you see it. So yeah, this is not exactly logical fallacies, but I showed it last time. It's a friend of mine. She came up with this. Melanie Tracy King, who has a website, Thinking is Power. She's a teacher who tries to teach critical thinking in school in her science class instead of just teaching the science facts. And she puts out a lot of good material. And I write really like this one. Are you a critical thinker? And it involves so many things besides logical fallacies, right? Are you aware uh, the thinking is flawed and prone to errors? Everyone's is. And you have to understand that. You know, the most people who make logical fallacy statements, you know, they don't know that they're wrong. They think they're brilliant. They might be the most brilliant person in the room of the world, to quote some people, and they're just full of it. Uh, you know, you have to think about how you think, or you need to be curious and inquisitive. Separate your identity, your core belief from your beliefs, right? That's one of the big problems. If, if someone incorporates their beliefs into who they are, it's very hard for them to see that they might be mistaken and change their minds. You have to welcome criticism, and that's very hard for people to do, you know, of any type. You have to think about things if you're criticized for something, as opposed to just doubling down. Um, you should use evidence to arrive at conclusions and maintain a healthy level of skepticism always about everything. And definitely avoid black and white thinking. That's, that's, that's actually a fallacy, by the way, <laughs> black and white fallacy. Uh, you know, it's, it's either this way or that way. And, but there are a lot of things that are in between. Things are ambiguous. And a lot of things have uncertainty in them. And you need to be humble. So that's the last thing I want to say about critical thing in the presentation. Um, I do have a resource list, and I think this is in the presentation somewhere, and Cara can add yes. these, copy-paste them. Uh, Wikipedia is really great with discussing fallacies as well as other critical thinking topics. I came up with 52 of these, and they're at that tinyurl.com slash Palmer Fallacies. Um, there's 40 logical fallacies that the people from the Skeptic Zone podcast did, and he put them on YouTube in uh, they're they're actually in two separate videos and the descriptions are all time stamped so you can go to anyone by name and hear a discussion about them there's a really good website that i use for a lot of my material logically fallacious 
And uh, there's types of reasoning that also are sort of outside the bounds of fallacious, uh, you know, arguments, but still, I like that lifelessons.co slash critical thinking as it's on the bottom of the list here. It really gets into what's inductive, deductive, inferential reasoning, that kind of thing. And I really like that. So just uh, thank you for coming today on uh, Memorial Day. And uh, you can find my work if you go to that site, Linktree. It's got my articles on these sorts of subjects, but also interviews with some of the people that Kara mentioned and, and others, and articles I've written about the topics of interest uh, to the skeptical arena. Thank you. Well, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I know I certainly did. And those are a lot of great links and resources that I'm going to check out later, too. So we'll be ready for part three. So everybody study in case there's a part three in the future. I don't know. I'm just saying not predicting anything, but I don't know. But yeah, those are great. Thank you so much. Recovering from Religion is a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to provide hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. Hope, Healing, and Support is waiting for you on our website, recoveringfromreligion.org. There, you can speak or chat with a trained agent who will work with you through your struggles and doubts or to help find resources that may work for you. You can also find local Recovering From Religion support groups in your area for the long-term recovery work. Resources specifically curated for those struggling with doubts, disbelief, and trauma can also be found on the RFR website. To connect with a secular therapist in your area, go to seculartherapy.org and create an account. If you'd like to support the work that RFR does, you can donate or sign up as a volunteer on the Recovering from Religion website. It's also a big help subscribing to the RFR YouTube channel, our blog, or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be emailed to us at rfrx at recoveringfromreligion.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll be with us next time on the Recovering From Religion podcast.